Lord gave him a word that, you know, he's going to bring the fire to Southern California. So um, you can sign up online. And uh, we're really anticipating God. Even if uh, Todd doesn't show, but he said he would. So, And so did uh, Tomberlin said he wrote it on Elijah list. So I'm pretty sure he's going to show. Um, try to make it there. It's uh, the date, sorry, is May 14th through the 17th. I'm going to put the at Mott Auditorium, which everybody, probably everyone in here has been to Mott at one time or another. The Spirit of God falls there pretty rad. It's pretty fun. So that, that's holy ground over there. So we're excited about that. So we, we printed this out so everyone could just check it out and make sure they make a note of it. Then <clears throat> the other thing that happened was... Um, we read uh, a really great article and wanted to read a couple of excerpts about the, the, what's happening in Lakeland. Uh, God with us more than revival. There is nothing man can take credit for or claim to have done to have brought about, uh, brought this about. God did not choose a noble, admirable man of high esteem to receive the igniting of the strike of lightning. God chose of one of the most naturally unglorious preachers on the planet. It appears that God is igniting from this fire of healing revival, a move of God that is rapidly spreading to the world. As the fire is carried and spread by a mighty rushing wind, a sudden burst of downdraft from heaven blowing through electronic media to the world, there is nothing far greater than the original lightning strike of healing revival that is igniting in the world. The original fire in Florida may have been powerful healing revival. However, that which is igniting as it spreads around the world, is more than revival. This is God coming to his people in a personal presence more intense than previous moves of God in my lifetime. This is um, a prophetic guy that wrote this. In my opinion, the fire that is spreading is not revival or renewal, but a new and greater presence of God with us. The cry is no longer send us revival. It is come Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. That's, that's, I'm going to turn myself up here, here. All right. That, that revival is going on. I'm excited about it. You know, I have told some of you I've been read, reading uh, uh, William Brandom's books, and I just finished them. They're incredible. Somebody gave them to me a few weeks ago, and then, a couple of days later, somebody called me and told me about these books, and I figured it was about time to read them. And they were very, very good. And one of the main things, if I was to take one single thing away from the whole book, is Jesus is with us now. And the, the ministry he did, which the reason I'm speaking of is because of what the letter says, a new revelation, no, it's Jesus here now. A new move of God, no, Jesus here now. And that's one of the things that I took away with reading this book, is that that uh, he believed, and I agree with him, that Jesus lives in us. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the same God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So when he would stand up there and minister to people, he would say, do you believe, one of the things he'd say, would you believe if Jesus stood here right now that you would be healed? And he would connect with them. Oh, yeah, we would. Well, he stands right here because he stands in me. And he stands in you. And he never claimed to be a healer. He claimed to be someone that was able to lift people's faith. That was the gift he had. He says, I'm not the healer. There's only one healer, and that's Jesus. Now, William Branham, in my opinion, was a great man. He had some uh, very questionable doctrines along the way. One of them, I'm 
one or two of them, I'm, I'm certain, was inaccurate. But I don't think we make it to heaven on how accurate our doctrine is. There's some basic things that have to be accurate. But we're going to miss along the way some of the things. And we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And God seems to like to do things. Now, that guy was a, was a person from Kentucky that was very backward. He, he didn't have a shirt till I think he was about sixth grade. Uh, he walked barefoot to school. I was, if you could call what a pick would be, he would be listed as that. And we saw that article that my wife read. I had her not read all of it because it was actually went way off on it. But basically said is God didn't use some fancy, real powerful, polished man of God to bring the Holy Spirit. He picked somebody who was opposite of that, if I could be gentle with it. Somebody's opposite of that. For what reason? That it would not depend upon man, but upon God. That we would understand it's not about being perfect. It's about God choosing to pour his spirit out on whom, through whom, he chooses to pour it out with. The guy he's pouring out with is covered with tattoos and piercings and all kinds of other things. And man of God, God chose to use him. He's anointed him and he's holy. Why is he holy? Because God made him holy. Because God doesn't dwell on other stuff. Is he a perfect man? No. And one of the things of the article is don't let that trip you up. I've heard a lot of people through the years, they'll talk about Amy Simple McPherson or, or someone else, and they'll say, oh, yeah, but they fell into sin. Yeah, they did. I, I, I was close to one real powerful one, uh, Alani Frisbee. And, yeah, he fell into sin. He died of AIDS. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Why does he do it? I don't know. Except for he wants, one part of it I understand, is he wants it to be about him, not about us. That's what he wants. Now, what I want to talk about today is a continuation of last week. And I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm building it a long way around. Because uh, there's a lots of parts of faith. And one of the things, I, I was talking to some of our guys, are saying, well, about going there. I said, well, would we be able to hold it if we got there? And that's a question I think we have to ask ourselves. If we got an anointing, now most of the times I've seen anointings, I've been around where God's really poured out His Spirit and it feels really good and I really enjoy it then, and it's kind of walking away and it's like, yeah, where is it going? It doesn't seem to stay with us long. Now I don't know about you, but I don't want again to have the Holy Spirit move on me and me walk away and I don't, and, and then I come back to be the same. Maybe a little bit farther along. Maybe a little bit more anointed. Maybe a little bit this. I want to have the glory stay. And that's what I want to talk about, the glory staying today. You know, it, 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 how does that happen? Now, I taught some things on, uh, on last, last week. And I want to use this again. And then I want to explain a little bit more what, what I'm talking about. Because from talking to people, I don't think we fully got it. Okay, can everybody see this? Oh, I did that. That's my. You did not. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Artist? <laughs> yes, this is the artist. Because I don't draw, I don't spell, I don't do any of that stuff very well. Okay, here we have Egypt. Remember, remember that was quoted in Hebrews. It was quoting a, uh, a process that they went through, and it told them, Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the desert. What were they talking about? They were talking about this period of time when, when Israel was sent into captivity for 400 years. 
And then we know the next thing that came along was the Passover. We know what that was, where they painted the doorpost with the blood of a lamb. And they came out of Egypt and came to a promise. But before they could get their promise, they had to go through the desert. Okay. Now, remember that. Does everyone get that? Egypt, the Passover, you know, that's where, you know, Moses went over and told Pharaoh, let my people go and brought all the plagues, all the different things, and end up having the first son uh, of, uh, of all of Egypt die because they didn't have the blood on it. It was a whole symbolic thing. And that happened. Then they went out in the desert and they got in lots of trouble along the way. The first, first was the Red Sea. And then there was lack of water, lack of food, lack of a lot of different things. And the process that should have taken a few days ended up taking 40 years. And the people that took off in there, very few made it. Four, I think, if I remember right. But most of them died. Anybody that was uh, under 20 lived and made, were able to go in there. But the people th- that were of accountability age, over 20 years old, they didn't make it to the promise. Now, what is Egypt symbolic of, guys? World. And what else? Sin. Okay, put sin down there for me. Passover is symbolic of what? Jesus, cleansing. Right. Okay. The desert is what? Refinement and testing. Oh, refinement. Gary knows well. (laughs) He's been there lately for a while. And what's Canaan? The promised land. Okay. Now, let's just look at this for a little bit as you got to, you know, we see the one sense that that was a shadow of this particular process. Sin, Jesus, trials, you can sit there and say the cross about then, and then the redemption, right? Does that, does that look like that? We were in sin. The world was in sin. The next thing that came along, Jesus came along, right? right. Paid for the price, okay? You can put that down. Uh, then the testing was, okay, he's going to cross. For the people, it was the one we trusted in is no longer around. He died. The one we believed in was going to bring us to the promises of God died. Our hopelessness. Now, did Jesus tell him who he was? All the way through, right? Now, who, who saw Je- Who understood who Jesus was? There was only two, wasn't there? There was two people that saw. There was Anna, and then I can't remember the man. Simeon, okay, that's right. And, and they, they were through a prayer, relationship with God was able to see who Jesus was. Everyone else, you know, some disciples caught it along the way, and they got it. But most of the people missed because they were looking at it. A man they were looking, they weren't seeing. They were looking on a preset set of ideas. They were they were using their mind. One of the things that I want to talk about today is how to look at things without looking through your intellect. Or I wouldn't say intellect as much as I would say our experience that our soul. <laughs> Maybe I could put it that way. Combination of our intellect, our understanding, our perceptions, and what we think the Bible says. I mean the guys during Jesus' time, if you would have read the at the Old Testament, I'm not sure, matter of fact, I am sure, you wouldn't have got that he was the Messiah, would you? Nobody else did. The most educated people in the world didn't get that he was the Messiah. Why? 
It's just what I said. They were, they were using their, their, what they think they know. Their understanding to try to see what God's going to do. What would tell me something real quick? We can't use our understanding to figure it out. We have to use something else. The two that saw him, saw him by what? The Spirit. They had a relationship with God. They heard. They believed because of what God said. That's how you see Jesus. So here we have this process. Now this process is a process that you go through every single day of your life. This church goes through this right now. We could say, let me see how I listed. I think I listed well. Like, we had a promise. Let's look at this as a word you would receive. If you received a word, it would be in this particular state, okay? You would receive a word, a promise. Then what's the very next thing that happens after you receive a word? Promise testing. Testing, okay. And then what happens that comes out the other end? Is it becomes a reality as God tests it and he works it through your being. Now, the process that we had a problem with here is Egypt didn't make it. Turn to Hebrews 3. 17, I think it is. Yeah. See, we're set in our place right here in Egypt. You could even say it's a stronghold. There's lots of different strongholds, different opinions, different ideas, different things we have. Then somebody comes along, like Jesus is symbolic of as a prophet, and gives us a word. And then it gets tested, then we come into the land. But we don't seem to make that very well. How many words have you guys, how many of you have had a word, a prophetic word from somebody? Or from God? Promise from God. How many of you have not had it come true? Okay. Why? Maybe it's not the time, and that's very much could be part of it. Timing is what? is a very, very big, important thing. They waited 400 years for the timing of God to come. We don't have that much time to wait. God knows that, so we're all right. He set a redeemer. He set a promise for us, and he wants us to get to the other end. Now, how do we get to the other end? Now, as we go to this, because uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going. I'm going to go see. I want to get a piece of that fire. I want it to come here, and I want it to explode. I don't want to just have a little bit for myself. I want it to f- cover every person here, and every person in Santa Monica, Malibu, and across the United States. I want to do anything and everything I can do to see God's power grow and flow. Now, the thing is, did Jesus promise you his Holy Spirit? Yes. Did he promise you healing? Did you he promise you tons of things? We're here somewhere in this desert, aren't we? We haven't got to the, the fruition, to the manifestation of the things that we hope for. Why? I think we take the lesson from this scripture. I mean, we talked about it last week, but I don't think we got it. Hebrews 3. It says, today, if you hear his voice, what does that mean? 
And what else? You're going to hear his voice. He's speaking today, right? You get it? Okay. That promise not only is given by Jesus, but or prophetic people, but by the God that lives within you, right? So the promise is there. If you listen, you're going to hear. If you don't hear, it's because you said no too long. I told you that before. I've said it no too long. I chose not to believe, and I couldn't hear anymore either. The next thing he says to do, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the desert. Now, what was the problem with them? Is they didn't what? Remember, did they? What didn't they remember? What God did. And there's something else they didn't remember. There's three things. They didn't remember what God did. What else? That was what, yeah, a promise. Yeah, well, they tuned to look back to that. They, they didn't believe that God was a good God, did they? Is he going to let you die out in the desert? Let me tell you what. It would have been better to die in the desert than to die in Egypt. How many believe that? I think so. I'd rather die in the desert trying to come across and do what God called me to do, walking with him, than in hell, which is what that was symbolic of. So we have, we have this saying and we have this problem. They were called to remember what he's done. And what was the other thing? His ways. We're called to remember his ways. What was his ways? His ways were remembering what he's done, and he's going to test you. That's his ways. They have not changed. Same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His ways are, you have a flat guarantee that you're going to have to remember what he did in the past, remember he's good, and remember he's going to test you. You're going to get a test, just like school. At the end of the chapter is a test. He gives you the information, then he tests you, and then you get the A, B, C, D, or F, whatever you're going to get. (laughs) I've been pretty good at the F. I've, I've flunked a few of these tests. But the process is is still there. I want this. I want to go to that meeting, and I want to get the Holy Spirit on me, and I want to see people healed all around, and I want it to flow everywhere. We have a mentality that God's just going to pour the saint on us, fix all the holes in us, and we're going to keep it and go somewhere else. (laughs) You ever remember that song, that old goofy song, There's a Hole in My Bucket, Do Do You Realize It? You ever heard that one? There's a hole in your bucket. You got a hole in your bucket. A big one. I got one. I want to patch it. I want to patch it today. I want to patch it every day. And how do we patch it? Listen. That's the first thing. Say listen. listen. What's the next thing? Obey. Remember. Next thing is believe. Believe what? Believe what he said and not what you see. Believe what he said and not what you see. Why? Now, this goes on what I've taught you a lot in the past, but I don't think you remember. And that is we have a world that is deteriorating because sin has came into it. And God injected a kingdom, his kingdom, into this, kind of like a shot. If you pay attention to the dead world, if your focus is on the dead world, you're going to reap the dead world. If your focus is on the kingdom, 
You're going to reap the kingdom. So, you have to remember what he said. Not what you see. And what's the next thing it says there today when you hear your voice? Encourage. What? One another. Why? That's right. It's not easy. Rarity, what makes value. If things are easy and easily found, they have no value, according to our world's, the world and also the kingdom. They agree on that. If something is everyday and easy, and you can, everybody can get it, and anyone can do it, it has no value. It's what's hard and rare and fought for. Remember, the kingdom is coming strong. And, and those who diligently, wait a minute, it's not wait a minute. Kingdom's coming by force, and the strong take it by force. It's coming forcefully, strong take it by force. Why, what do you mean strong? I mean people that went out to fight for things. This is something you have to fight for. So, we have what? First you have to what? Listen, we're going to play a little game here, just because you know what? I don't have a fancy system behind me to do this. So I'm going to have to count on you guys saying it out loud. What's the first thing you have to do? Listen. Listen. Then what do you have to do? Remember. Then what do you have to do? Then? Encourage. Are we all hung on ourselves? Now, I can help you with encourage. Encourage yourself daily, as long as it's called today. Remember it says that? Encourage yourself, encourage others. Encourage yourself, encourage others. We have to do that. Yeah, we better write it down. (laughs) Huh? Believe and encourage. I'm going to ask it again. (laughs) Listen. Remember what? What he's done and his ways. What are his ways? Two T's. Trusting and testing. We'll do it that way. Trusting and testing. It's impossible to please God without what? The kingdom works. It is the currency of the kingdom is faith. The currency of the kingdom of darkness is fear. Faith, fear, faith, fear. You're operating in fear, you're not operating in faith. If you're operating in faith, you're not operating in fear. It's an honest truth. Fear will kill the prophetic gift. It'll kill the things of God. It'll keep make it where it's impossible you because... Whereas fear, there's no faith. They're two opposites. They're like the east from the west. They do not join anywhere. So when you have fear, you don't have faith. When you have faith, you don't have fear. Currency of the kingdom. So, his ways are always what? Can you show me anywhere? I can show you. Can you show me anywhere where he didn't test? Where he didn't cause you to trust? It does not exist in the Bible. Remember, the author of your faith, Jesus, learned obedience through suffering or testing. Same word. So if the author of this walk we have had to go through it, you will not escape it. It is impossible. It won't happen. You're not going to sit here and, oh, God, just bless me, and you're going to bless and walk off. You may get a blessing, but if if you haven't learned to believe and continue to believe, and choose to believe, you're going to have a hole in your bucket and it's going to drain, drain out on you. 
You can just sing that song right along with me. There's a hole in your bucket, dear Eliza, dear Eliza. You can sing that all day long because that's what's going to happen. So what happens with me, it happens with you. So, listen, remember, believe, and encourage. His ways, trust, and test. You cannot get out of it. As hard as you try, you cannot get out of it. Required to trust him and, and know that you're going to get tested on it. This is a process. Why do you think he made it such a big deal? Because he wants you to remember this process. It's quoted all through the scriptures. This becomes a symbol for the process we have in life. This is his ways. Do you know he could have popped him right on over to Kenan? Three or four day journey. He could just not paid attention. Why did, why did he let him run out of water? He wanted to test him. Now, running out of water was a big deal. You can't live without water. The testing we have usually aren't that harsh. Can't, you know, you can, you can live a week without food. But it's not fun. But 40 years, no, you can't. <laughs> you know, their, their stuff didn't wear out, though. God was still merciful for them. He still gave supernaturally provision through those 40 years in the desert. Their sandals didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their stuff didn't wear out. They made it all the way through. Supernatural provision. That was really great. But they, the people, he said, I was mad with that generation. He was angry. In his anger, he said an oath. They shall never enter my rest. Put rest there. Because that's the promise. The rest is symbolic of a lot of things. It's symbolic of heaven. It's symbolic of the kingdom. It's symbolic of how it says that with, with the Father, when he made the, on the seven days, on the seventh day he rested. And it says on the seventh day he rested, he maintained all heaven and earth. In other words, he operated in his work in a place of rest. This is possible. It's not only possible, it's what you're called to do. You're called not to have to strive and stress for what you're doing. You're called not to have to fight to make it in life. You're taught, you're taught, you're called to have his yoke, which he says is easy, and to walk the same out and rest. Yeah? Sorry, I think I have a word about that. Go ahead. walk in the provision um, of, of old during this time, that that will be our mark. Our mark will be that during these times that are hitting our nation and the world, that our mark will be that um, we will be in his provision. And so that's a truth that you need to just, just, just take it in and say, that is my mark. You know, the sign of the cross. That's our mark during these times of trial. And that we will have the authority to bless others with that. So when they see you and say, oh my gosh, Tracy, you are just walking in, in, the, in, in God's glory. You're able to then say, well, let me tell you about my Jesus. And you're able to impart that to them during these times. Because we'll have that provision 
of old. Turn off. Stop that. Put that away. Yeah, um, the word shalom in Hebrew is also the same word shalem, which means complete. Completeness is the same root word as peace. So they're correlated. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Completeness. What is completeness about? This. It's coming into the promise. It's going... You have the redemption. It's going through the testing that come into there. That's that's what that's about. Now, what are the things that they ran into? What did they call that? They called sin's deceitfulness, right? What is sin's deceitfulness that they're talking about there? What's the sin's deceit? It says in Hebrews 3, it says the guard against basically sin's deceitfulness, right? Deceitfulness of sin, somewhere like that. It says, uh, they will never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What was the sin's deceitfulness? What was it? You better know it. That's exactly what is unbelief. Now, how? give me an example of that in your own life. Yeah. Looking foolish. Yeah, remember? Fallen kingdom or the injection of God's kingdom in there. Which eyes are out? So, since deceitfulness is to take your eyes off of God's kingdom and look at the world. Move in the fear, which breeds unbelief since it's the main currency, that's what you buy with your fear is unbelief. And you fail. Might as well follow the F's all the way through. That's how you get an F. <laughs> you fail. <laughs> you don't make it. You don't make it through the process. So, in practical terms, what are we afraid of? A lot of things that we call and we believe that God's saying. We'll stick out there and, 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 and like for example, let's say on a healing. Let's say you hear God Say, I'm going to heal this person. Or you just know from the, the cross that it's the availability of it's there, because it is on the cross. You know, the, the, either place. You know, now when you're praying for someone, someone has to have faith. Either you, them, somebody's got to have faith. Your faith better be big to cover theirs if they have a lot of unbelief, or they have to have some faith. But other than that, and you're hearing God and you think they have faith, and you think here's God saying that. What kind of guts do you have to tell them to get well? Do you have that? Or do you sit there and worry about what happens if it doesn't? 
How many of you, and I'll put me first there, worry about looking stupid? Oh, yeah. Every one of us. The rest of us aren't telling us the truth, I think. But maybe not. Maybe some people don't think about that. But I do. And I actually am pretty hard. I, I, if you ask my wife, I really don't care very often what people think. I'll do stuff that will insult people, and I, I don't want to insult them. But I'm not real worried about it. And that's not a good thing always, <laughs> needless to say. So that's not my real weak point. But I mess up in that one too. I'm afraid that, 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 that I'm going to look foolish. Another one is if we're afraid that, that we perceive this thing of God and we think it's God and it doesn't come out to being God. What does is, is we kind of have to fight with it like, you know, is God not really true? We've got to kind of get over this way a little bit to help him along or we don't really believe he's true. Or maybe the truth of it is we may have to learn how to discern the difference between good and evil. Yeah, and ourself. I can throw ourself in there, good, evil, and ourself. That's what scripture says. It's by practice, it says, that we learn to discern. But we don't practice because we're afraid to take the, tr- the chance at it. You see, taking the chance in what God says is, is, is called risk. That's what John Wimber used to always say is how you spell faith. R-I-S-K. You know, and it's very true. But the process and I, is that we have to choose to keep our eye on the kingdom. We have to choose to keep our eye. Our feelings don't necessarily go with it. Now, nowhere in the Bible it says you're saved by your feelings, is it? Now, you remember the four spiritual laws, you know? You ever saw that book? Anybody saw that? Anybody that old? A few of you are that old. Yeah, okay. That used to be handed around. It's a cute little book. My oldest accepted the Lord when she's about three, four. Reading that little book, it's that simple. And she got done. She, she could tell her that it was self-centered before, and she knew she had to be God-centered afterwards. Very simple book. Gee, we haven't figured that out, have we? We have to be God-centered rather than self-centered. The difference between being saved and not. Oh, my gosh, that's the difference. Where was I going with that? Um, i keep on making noise there. Um, the choice to believe. The choice not to look back. Remember, turned into salt looking back. Remember when they went out of Egypt, what they said? They said that God was not really that good. It was better in Egypt when we had that boiled great junk that they had. You know, it was better with leeks and onions than it is out here in the desert. We don't have it in the eighth. They ended up getting bread from heaven. But they looked back. They chose to look back. They chose not to believe. They chose to to see things through the reason and what was comfortable for them rather than choosing to see this thing of faith. The thing of faith, remember we talked about it, it's, it's, it's the thing that's spoken from God that becomes the reality. You know, he said, let there be heaven and earth and all those things became. The spoken reality of what he said became the true reality. And the scriptures tell us all the other, that reality will pass away, but he won't pass away. His kingdom, what he spoke of who we are in him, will never pass away. It's there permanently. But we have to choose daily to believe those things. So now we go to this meeting coming up. We walk away excited. Now, are we going to look through? You see somebody healed. 
and you kind of want to make sure that they were really healed. You want to make sure, want to make sure that that they weren't just kind of acting out in faith and maybe didn't really get healed. You know that mindset. How many of you know that mindset? Really checking out to really make sure. Is that good? I don't think so. Logically, it's good. Logically, it makes sense. Who wants to be fooled? Well, what do we have to lose if we're fooled? Let's get with it. We'd look stupid for a second if we believe something that's not. We look a little foolish sometimes. But if we believe that, first of all, the Scriptures tells us it empowers it to happen. I can have faith for you and you can get healed. So if I can choose to believe that, I help their faith. I help the faith in the room and I help it to happen. Because the same God lives in me. So I choose to believe that. I choose to agree with God in his kingdom, and that moves it forward. To choose to look at the doubts causes it to fall away. Now, I, I can't remember quite how I worded that. I thought it was pretty good when I worded it, so let's see if I can find it. Uh, looking through the window of understanding. That is... Perceived ideas, things that we think the scripture says, the law, or just prove it to me. Kind of God gave me a say. We can have the law or awe. I'm going to pick the awe of God. I'm going to pick the look instead of the rules and regulations. And I'm not going to look, I'm going to choose when I go there to not look to see the things that are, that are funky. Because you're going to see it. You're going to see I've been around some really wild moves. And you'll see God move, and you'll see the enemy move. And you'll see human spirits move. I'm going to have an eye to see. I'm going to have an eye to see the good, not the bad. I'm going to choose to focus my eyes on the good, not the maybe. I'm going to choose to believe what God said on the cross. It's finished rather than my unbelief. Those are choices. So how do we get that stuff? We choose to believe it. We choose to believe, and we take the three-day journey. Or never make it. Which Israel never... Basically, Israel never made it. It was a whole brand new generation of people that made it. Do you want to make it? I I want my kids to make it. But I want to make it too. I want to make it to the promises that God has for me. I want to make it to become everything God called me to be. I want to make it to that thing of seeing miracles again. I want that, and I want it to stay. And if they do, I can't operate the way I've done in the past. If you can take anything away from that, you have to change. Repentance, remember I said, is change the way you think. That's what the meaning of repentance is. The primary meaning is change the way you think. That means change what you look at, Change how you think about things. Change how you look through things. Do not look through that window of understanding, your understanding. Your understanding is extremely limited. It does not work. Choose to look through that window of faith. Choosing to look through the window of understanding is choosing to fail. That's part of sin's deceitfulness, that it looks all right. It's by the world standard. It's okay to be Check this out to doubt and prove it to me. Prove me that you're healing. I'm not going to believe you up there, whoever's doing this, whoever's doing that. I'm not going to believe it until you prove it to me. Wrong attitude. Choose to believe it. 
Don't be stupid. I mean, if something all of a sudden shows you over and over and over again, and your Holy Spirit says, oh, this is a fake thing, then believe it. It's a fake thing. It's this spirit that God put in you that's supposed to tell you what's truth and what's not. Not this. This is, this is a fallen brain. It's a fallen brain. I don't care how much it's, it's fallen. God redeemed it, but it's a process of sanctification, the Bible says. A process. Justified once for all, sanctified over a period of time. It's being changed from glory to glory, likeness to be more and more like God, understand more of God, be sensitive to our God. But this Holy Spirit, which is God in us, is there and is in us, and it will bring us life. And that's what we have to do. We have to look through that and choose not to look at the other. So, what do we have to remember to do what? Good, part of you got it. What's the next thing? Remember. What's the next? Okay, and then what? Got it. And what is uh, God's way? Testing and trusting. Good, church. Good, good, good. I like that. All right. Let's pray for some people. Let's, let's, let's give God the opportunity to move on people. He's here. That's what the scripture says. It's plain and simple. Yes, same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that made heaven and earth, dwells in each of us. So let's choose to see God move. Let's choose to do that. So... Want the healing team come up here? And anybody sick, come on up here. And uh, 